1: The thing about classical music is, you really kind of have to experience it live. You know, when we were in the middle of the the lockdowns and the pandemic and everything, you know, there was all that that thinking that maybe orchestras would switch to you know digital streaming and not come back. But there's, you know, and I especially as a timpanist, you know, there's something about Like, when I do a roll on this low drum and it literally just, like, vibrates the town hall, you know, there's something about sitting in this hall and experience, like, literally feeling the vibration of the music, like, affecting you personally that you just can't get from a speaker at home.
0: That's Stephen Logan, principal timpanist of the Auckland Philharmonia Orchestra, the APO. Stephen's always passionate about timpani, but he's even more excited than usual because he has some new toys. Welcome to Voices, I'm Kadamri Ragokumar.
1: So of course the first really nerdy problem is making sure that all eight of those tension rods are perfectly in tune together so that it produces one pitch. If one rod is louder, you know, tighter or looser than the other, you get instead of like a bah you get like a it like does this weird God. wobble thing
0: hi steven welcome to the podcast
1: i have to tell you that i have been a huge fan of yours in the podcast for years now so if i just start giggling randomly throughout it's just because i'm like beside myself but it's fine it's fine everything's fine i'm fine <laughs> i'm fine i'm cool it's fine
0: Stephen's also an actor, by the way, but playing timpani for the APO is his mainstay. I got to see him at the German opera Die start this winter, and you'll hear some music from that opera in the background of this conversation. Because this is concert season and the orchestra has been playing at the town hall almost every week, I had to pop in when Stephen was in between rehearsals.
1: Because it's a podcast yeah. and people can't see where we are right now, you and I are currently sitting on stage at the Auckland Town Hall right behind the new set of timpani which are about halfway up the stage and There is some, like, epic mood lighting going on because in just a couple hours, we're performing with Troy Kingi for the Matariki special.
0: Incredible. And I can tell you, not that I know a lot about timpani, but timpani have never looked better to me in this lighting. They're just (laughs) gleaming away. (laughs) I mean, they're brand new, aren't they? Where are they from?
1: Yes, they are. So they are from Adams, which is a company that has their uh, warehouse and factory in the Netherlands. And then they got on a boat and uh, made a about three-month journey from the Netherlands to New Zealand.
0: Stephen's an import of yeah, sorts, too, from the States. We'll come to that very soon. But first, the instruments. They go way back as military percussions, now the magnificent staple in an orchestra.
1: Basically, the story with timpani is that, and and the way they got to look how they look on stage right now, is that it started... Um, You know, way back in the day, timpani would be strapped to horses and people to try and scare the life out of your opponents in a war would go in and smash the timpani as loud as they could. I feel, you know, really horrible for the horses. But uh, so that's that's how it started. And, you know, it wasn't really meant to be a necessarily pitched thing. But then as timpani got better you know, composers realize there's a pitch coming from them and so it's important to make sure that that pitch matches what the orchestra is doing.
0: Is that what all those levers and um, nuts and bolts are all about? Exactly. i get you to show me that in a second. But before we get into that, how timpani and why timpani? How did you get into it?
1: Yeah, so um, it started when I was, man, I think I was like seven or eight years old and my Uncle Kevin, who is a drummer, uh, got gifted me and my siblings a drum kit for Christmas. (laughs) Uh, I distinctly remember one night I couldn't sleep and go downstairs. I maybe play, like, one note, and I just start hearing, like, thump, thump 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 And it's my mother just racing down the stairs to be like, what are you doing? Um And that's pretty much how it started. Because, you know, any time that your parent tells you not to do something is the time that you're going to do it the most. Yeah, um, that's right. No, that's not really the reason. And it but...
0: turns out you did it really well, too.
1: <laughs> I like to think so. But, um so, uh yeah, so it started by playing drum kit. And, I mean, I had played piano and trumpet before that awesome. I was on the American football team, you know, was really involved in it and then broke my foot during a practice and I couldn't really work one of my feet, but my hands could still work. Right. So I was like, I'm just going to take this time to focus on music. It's basically like just been that trajectory ever since, you know, probably go straight back to me breaking my foot it was probably the most important thing that happened to me in my life.
0: Let's let's rewind actually. So where yeah. in the states did you grow up and what was it like for you there? So my
1: family moved quite a bit uh when I was a kid, but it was mostly around the southeastern United States. Like most of my family's in in and around Nashville and Knoxville, Tennessee. Um but I also spent I think it was about 8 years living in Atlanta, Georgia and then some time living in Cincinnati, Ohio and then uh, my parents have been living in Kentucky that's where i went to high school
0: your accent doesn't give away any of that
1: it doesn't i used to talk like this <laughs> <laughs> it really it really kind of got ironed out definitely I, I talked like this for quite a bit and you know you can turn i will go visit my relatives and everyone talks like this and and we just slip back into it and it's just how we do <laughs>
0: getting into the classical music world wasn't a bag of laughs though competitive rigorous and tough it's no surprise that the use of beta blockers to calm the nerves has been part of that world since the 1970s it's
1: in it's a fiercely competitive um, field and you know I think one of my favorite quotes is uh, we all love music but sometimes music doesn't love us back if you're trying to play really soft snare drum it uses really fine small motor movements in your hands. If your hands are shaking because you're nervous, there's no way that's going to come out in an audition and and you know, when you're when you're young and and you know, with these orchestra jobs, um like I I'm so fortunate that I get to come into work and play drums every day. And because again it's so competitive and there's so few there's for a lot of people, there's so much writing on these auditions that people can do, you know, whatever they think they can to get a get a leg up, get a you know a step ahead. You know, yeah, I did definitely earlier in uh, my auditioning life and career definitely took beta blockers. Yeah, it's a thing. <laughs>
0: Stephen tells me it's obviously not an endorsement in any way, but part of his experience and observations as a student going through the rigors of training. And part of that also was to be faced with the eternal conundrum, that there are other careers aside from music. That was a reality that his professor sat him down to explain.
1: I, uh, being stubborn as I am, just kind of decided to dig my heels in and was like, no, I'm just going to like practice my way through this problem (laughs) of the competitiveness and the challenge. So then, uh, yeah, so I spent nine years in university in America studying classical percussion performance. Um, It was very specialized, and that's, you know, kind of how I went up in New Zealand. Um, Because, you know, again, for the role that I have here at the APO, which is principal timpanist, um, there's only one in each orchestra. And when the APO needed a principal timpanist, I was uh, halfway through doing a second master's degree in Houston um, at Rice University, and this audition came up, and here I am. That was like mid-2016.
0: Was it quite a bit of a shock to you when you arrived in New Zealand and played in a completely different setup, although you'd been playing in orchestras in the States and been practicing and playing classical music for a long time? Culturally, there must have been a difference in the way orchestras are set up and the way they operate. Totally. Did you find something like that when you arrived
1: here? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the, the culture is very different, but I think it's in a, a way that, at least for me, has been very positive. And definitely being in New Zealand, you know, I remember people joking with me that, oh, you're American, you're so loud and competitive. And, you know, it, 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 it was it, there was definitely a culture shock coming to New Zealand and just learning to, like, slow down a little bit just I just really loved this you know kind of like gear shift of being in New Zealand, and you know it's really made making music really enjoyable. you know a lot of orchestras can be known for lots of brash you know, personalities and and divas and conflicts and all these things. and But, you know, I've been here for seven years, and it's it's really a great organization and environment to work in. Everyone here in the orchestra is just excited to play.
0: Stephen's keen to get back to her shiny new toys and back to playing with his kind of family. Today, the APO is made of about 74 musicians and currently directed by Giordano Bellincampi.
1: Playing in every orchestra is vastly different. It may seem on the surface like, well, we're all playing Beethoven 9, right? But the, you know, we're sitting on stage in the town hall. The acoustic of the town hall is different than, say, the Michael Fowler Center in Wellington or the Sydney Opera House. And therefore, the instruments that I choose, the mallets that I choose when I'm playing those instruments, the volume at which I play is different vastly different in each of those different spaces and on top of that you know the people that I work with um, you know it's it's kind of like we all speak to each other without talking right like there's this really uh, interesting thing that I think about a lot where say in an opera so this, this past week we did Dito de Stadt*, which is a corn gold opera and there's there's lots of these moments where there's the singer by themselves and then just out of nowhere there's just this random like da 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 from the whole orchestra, right, and how we get those to be together like i can 't i can 't really explain it other than when we see our music director put the baton down, we all know in relation to where that comes down, where we 're going to put it it 's almost like you 've like lived in a family with certain cultural practices and Your traditions, yeah, we 're our own dialect, and so to go somewhere else would be you know it wouldn't be starting from scratch necessarily but uh, but it would be really really different it feels like in uh, you know the orchestra is just like constantly getting better i'm on a part of that journey and i can speak for experiencing that in my own playing not just like how i myself in isolation play my instrument but how we play in relation to each other
0: That was Stephen Logan, Principal Timpanist of the Auckland Philharmonia Orchestra. You'll find him playing quite often at the Town Hall this season. My name is Catherine Ragokumar and every week I produce an episode of Voices on people from all around the world who live in New Zealand. If you like what you hear, follow Voices on Spotify, Apple and all your favourite podcast platforms. Today's episode was mixed by Rangi Poik, and I'm Catherine Ragokumar. Thanks for listening.